Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 142 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Beth Ray. Beth lives in Sammamish, Washington, where she is a stay-at-home mom, now with an empty nest, which I certainly connect with. Currently, she is studying through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and is considering a career in health coaching. She's used the pandemic time well to learn some new things. I also love the Institute for Integrative Nutrition because I went through their health coach training program as well. So welcome, Beth. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's really, really nice to talk to you. Beth is a moderator in the Delayed on Deny Facebook community, and also she and I have a connection. Um, Her husband went to Wake Forest, and he was there at the same time I was. We didn't know each other. He graduated the year after me. Is that right? 
I think the year before he graduated in 89. Yeah. Okay. He was a year older than me. I could never keep it straight. I knew we were there at the same time, but I think we probably even lived in the same dorm. If he lived in the, did he live in the fraternity house? He did for, yeah, one year. Then we were in the same dorm, but I, I'm sure our paths crossed. But. And I could have crossed your path too, because I spent a lot of weekends there. So Oh, that's so much fun. I love to think of young Beth and young Jen walking through the Poteet quad, that little section <laughs> in there. <laughs> it might have happened. It might have. I was on the top floor and our um on that back wall. And I know the his fraternity house was on the left as you were facing the dorm, but we sat up there a lot. We did a lot of sunbathing up there and we were would throw frisbees back down to the guys who would toss them up on the sun deck. Uh-huh. It was fun. Good it really was. So Beth, it's it's great to talk to you today, as I said. And you know I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So I started fasting about a year and a half ago. I want to say it was July of 2019 after a lot of years of yo-yo dieting and uh, probably ever since since my oldest son was born, I've been kind of struggling with ups and downs and um, feel like I've tried a lot of things. I would take off the weight and keep it off for a while and then eventually it would come back, maybe even a little bit more. I had sort of gotten to the point where I had just about given up and I wasn't going to try the really weird things. And I was, uh, one of my friends that I play tennis with, I saw her fairly often and I could see changes in her that were just kind of amazing, not just in weight loss, but also in her skin and her personality. Uh, she just seemed more calm and positive. And when we talked, she told me about the fasting. And at first I thought, oh, that's kind of crazy. And But she's not a crazy person. So I thought, well, maybe I should listen. And of course, I threw the old, well, isn't breakfast the most important meal of the day comment. And when she told me to think of it as breaking fast, I I thought, okay, well, that makes sense. I could I could do it that way. But I started really slow because I like to eat and I like my breakfast. And I, I started slow with 14-hour window was a tough one for me. <laughs> but, you know, I started like that same day that she told me about it before I even read your book. Just downloaded the fasting app and went from there. My numbers were all over the place in terms of my fast length and my window length. They never equaled 24. But that's one thing that I kind of liked about it. that. It didn't have to, and I didn't have to be rigid and follow a really strict schedule or anything. I love that 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 you threw that in there because that really confuses a lot of newcomers to intermittent fasting. The idea of must add up to twenty four, and they're like, "Well, I fasted for nineteen hours. Does that mean my window has to be five hours? So it adds up? No, <laughs> because we forget that the fast exp- you know extends over." over two calendar days, you know, because we go to bed and then we wake up. So it, it it's not going to neatly, I mean, yes, it will add up to 24 if you sequence it, you know, because there's 24 hours in a day, but just on that calendar day, but it's okay to fast for 19 and feast for seven or feast for three and then start a new fast. And it's funny how we tend to overthink things, right? Oh yeah. And I'm a big overthinker. So <laughs> I think you know, that's just the way my friend explained how to do it. You know, she she said, just try to fast as long as you can. And then 
eat until you're done for the day and then start over. Love and it. that seemed simple enough for me. And I didn't have to, I'm not one to, I've always been very calorie aware because for the past 20 some years, you know, that's what I've been taught is, you know, eat less, exercise more. And I fully bought into that. And uh, I just didn't want to have to count the calories. And I was done with that. It didn't work very well for me in the past. Or it did, but I couldn't maintain. It absolutely. It's it's demoralizing, isn't it? To have to, uh, to, to treat everything you eat like a math problem. Yeah. And it's just a lot of work. And I'm kind of yeah. lazy. <laughs> Me too. I know you've heard me talking about Zoe and the Predict Three study that I went through, and you know, learning what foods work well for your body. But part of the program is, you know, they give you like four weeks to really, or, or longer, depending on what you want, and you track your foods and try to score the, you know, high scores for foods that work well for your body. I was only able to do that for seven days because the tracking got to me. Oh. I was like, okay, I mean, I love the program and I highly recommend it. And I learned a lot about my body, which is important, but having to enter in, weigh things, I, I just couldn't. I was like, I can never do this again. I, I, I know what foods work for me. I can eat those without weighing and tracking. Yeah, I, I'm i not very good at tracking either. I've used the, the Lose It app for many years. I, that's the one I also used back yeah. in the day. And it was great. And, you know, one time I lost a lot of weight with it, but I just, in the long run, couldn't couldn't maintain it. I don't think I ever did. I don't think I ever used lost a lot of weight with it. I was more always trying to find that magical program that let you eat, you know, more food like the low low carb, and I would use it to track like did it, it did it track like grams of things? I think it did. I think it did, but I didn't use that because I knew that I couldn't get that into like that. To me, is too obsessive and. Um, so I never tracked that much. I would just basically log my food and try to keep my calories within a certain range and then try to exercise to, you know, supposedly burn off more calories than than I ate. I take that back. I remember there was one diet plan that I did do that was a local diet center. It was called the Howard Diet. I don't know if that was anywhere, but just maybe in Georgia. But you had to eat a thousand calories a day Monday through Thursday, maybe, and then Friday, Friday, you followed it like during the work week. And then you, starting with Friday dinner through Sunday, you just ate whatever you wanted. <laughs> but I can remember trying to stay under a thousand calories. Oh, I, can, I, I know I could never do uh, that because I'm pretty, and they gave you, oh, it was hard. I'm pretty, pretty active. Like I said earlier to you when we were talking before that we started, I do play a lot of tennis and I enjoy hiking and stuff. So I, I'm pretty active. I, I, I know there's no way I would survive on a thousand calories or less, uh, you know, a day. Well, you would go in on Friday and they would weigh you. I remember that. And I, you know, you're supposed to lose a pound a week or whatever. And I would go in on Friday and I ha wouldn't have lost any weight. And I'm like, I ate less than a thousand calories every day. What's wrong with, you know, anyway, that, that was awful. I, that um, I'd forgotten that because it was terrible and I didn't lose any weight. And they also gave you these shots that were sp supposed to be thermogenic or something. Oh, the things that we did out of desperation. Yeah, I never did anything that crazy. I did yeah. <laughs> I did Weight Watchers. I used the Lose It app on my own. I did another thing. I'm not sure if I can name it by name, but it was based on a book and it was kind of a, a diet-related game that you play with friends. And that was really successful for me, but I couldn't maintain it because that one encouraged you to eat five or six small meals a day. 
I've never heard of that when it was a game. Yeah, should I? I don't want to say the name of the. Well, don't don't say the yeah. name. Of it. That's really funny. Yeah, it was a game. So my friends, like my friends from the gym, we all did it together, and you know we would get together once a week and kind of compare prizes. We actually made a trophy for the winner. Oh, that's so funny. It was a pig that's trophy. A, I would have been all over that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it was it was really fun. But like, what I year was that about? Like, when when did that come out? I'm trying to see. I'm not sure when the book came out, but we just did this maybe five years ago. Okay. I wonder if I missed it because I was already doing intermittent fasting. Because I really, if it was a game and sounded fun, I, I could see me being all over that. So I might have just missed it. Yeah. I mean, it had good points in it and it might, you know, work for some people that can maintain it. But I, I like to eat a lot. And that allowed you to eat smaller amounts, you know, and often throughout the day, which in some ways I think did definitely didn't do me more favor, you know, any favors. But ultimately, you know, when I, I hurt my knee, I think, and had to have knee surgery, and I just couldn't continue eating that. And then I, when I gained the weight back, I would just try to exercise more. And there were so many rules on that oh, yeah. game diet, and I don't like the rules. <laughs> I don't either. I mean, I am a rule follower, but I didn't, there were too many rules. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face -face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. I am a, a strange mix of a rule follower. Yeah. And if I'm going to have rules, I'm going to follow them 100%. And then I rebel against the rules because I'm so mad about the rules that now I'm following them 0%. I'm either 100% or 0%. I think I'm very much like you in that way. Yeah. 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 That's That was the thing with the Zoe. I loved it. I learned so much. But I was like, I don't want to put my food in and, you know, only pick, pick these foods and weigh it and stuff. I'm like, so, okay, so I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> But then I'm I'm still, you know, incorporating what I learned about the foods. But 
in a calm way with no rules. Right. And that's, I think that's what I liked. Of course, at first, what appealed to me with IF is that I could eat whatever I wanted, right? Right. Right. That quote, whatever you want. And I let myself do that at the beginning. I remember one time early on, I was like so proud that I made it to my 14 hour window or whatever. And I thought, I'm going to break my window today with ice cream. And I did. And then I probably had to go to the bathroom. And, <laughs> and I learned that lesson pretty quickly. I just thought, oh, okay, that didn't work very well. You know, maybe I ought to not do that. And to be honest, it was a Dairy Queen Sunday or like, or not Dairy Queen, it was McDonald's, like Sundays. It wasn't even good ice cream. And I just th- thought afterwards, I'm like, why did, why did I do that? You know, I did it just because I could. The beauty of it is, is that I bet you don't want that now. No. Mm-mm. See, so you're still eating whatever you want, but you want to not eat that or have that feeling again. Right. Now I, I want, well, depending on what it, I mean, maybe one day I want pizza, but you know, after I have too much, like after Christmas, I just wanted a salad and maybe a piece of dark chocolate afterwards. Yeah. I want, I went through a Brussels sprouts phase a few weeks ago and I just, oh, you don't like those? Not a fan. You know, I I don't hate them anymore and my husband likes them. So we have them occasionally and I'll eat them and they're not nearly as bad as I used to think they were, but for, you know, for what am I, I'll be 53 next week. So for 51 years of my life, it was, ew. And now it's just, a, oh, they're not so bad. Right. Well, I was, I didn't like them at all. I wouldn't eat them at all. And then I went through a phase, like I said, where I was like, get some more Brussels sprouts. And my husband, I don't know, he doesn't have the volume eating like I do. So he, I mean, he can, he, the, the amount of food he'll eat and then stop eating is funny to me. But I was like, get me more Brussels sprouts. And he would come back with this little amount. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I want a lot of Brussels sprouts. Well, it's funny that you talk about the volume that you're a volume eater because I am too. And I think that's another reason why intermittent fasting worked well for me and why that other program, I couldn't maintain it because I just never felt satisfied eating small meals during the day. And with IF, I can eat a larger meal and be done. And I was never an evening snacker. So I think that worked to my advantage. Once I had dinner, I was, I would snack a lot during the day and I would eat a lot, but once I was done after my dinner, I was done and I didn't eat again until the next morning. But typically before IF, I was super hungry as soon as I woke up and that would be, you know, I'd get up, I'd brush my teeth, go to the bathroom, go downstairs and get breakfast. And I'm not a coffee drinker. So in a way, breakfast was kind of how I would wake up. But the the volume thing works so much better to me just being able to eat you know, once or twice a day and then being done. And you can eat till you're satisfied and you don't have to feel guilty about that. That's right. the thing. So many of us, especially, you know, if we've been trained like you and I were for all those years that you're supposed to eat frequent small meals, we thought that was the right thing to do. And none of them were ever satisfying. No. And so you're just and then, continually yeah. hungry. And when you do eat a big meal, you feel like you ruined it or you failed. You might feel satisfied finally, but then you're like, no wonder I can't lose weight. I'm such a, you know, a glutton you would feel like, but yeah. that's, that's Sat- not true. Satisfied yet guilty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the worst. <laughs> yeah. So now I can be satisfied and happy. I love it. No guilt at all. So how much weight did you, did you end up losing? Are you where you want to be now? So yeah, I lost about 35 
five pounds, I want to say. I'm 5'10", and right now I kind of bounce between 150 and 155. So I'm absolutely fine where I am now. I was lucky enough to reach that within three to four months of when I started. So it came off pretty pretty easy for me. I think that the clean fast was very easy for me because I'm not, I don't drink coffee. You had no bad habits to break. I didn't have a lot. I mean, well, my bad habit was eating too often and too much. But other than that, I, I, I don't drink coffee, so I didn't have to worry about drinking it black. I don't drink soda, so I mean, it's fine if you want to have a soda in your window, no problem. I just don't drink soda because I didn't like it. I've never liked it. So I'm just a water drinker. And that made IF so so easy to do. Yeah, that, that's really that's really good. And also, you know, your weight, that is really, I just did the little the math. That that is an ideal weight. So it sounds sounds like your body just went right to its ideal weight. Yeah, I like as a rule of thumb, I like the formula. A hundred pounds for Plus your five. first five feet. Yep. And then five pounds for every inch after that. And that is exactly where you are. I just yeah, love, that's, I love that's always what I've gone by too. And that's kind of the number that, you know, every time I lost weight, I would come back. Well, not necessarily always to that time. Sometimes it would be more like the 160, 165 range. I think that was my Weight Watchers. I think my Weight Watchers lifetime goal was 167 or something. And, you know, when I got there, I thought, oh, thank God, I'm never going to go back there again. And then next time I'm at 185 and I think, oh, there's no way I can go back without having to pay. And I'm really frugal, so I didn't want to pay. So I would think, well, I'll get down there on my own and then I can go back for free, you know, to maintain. But it's it, every once in a while I would get down to maybe 155 ish, but that would last for a week and yeah. then it would come right back on. So for me to have hit, you know, I think when I hit about 155, or actually, I think I fit into my goal pants even before I got to the 155 number, which I thought, how did that happen? Because, you know, I was at a lower weight before and the body recomposition for the win. Yeah. yeah. But so then I kind of stopped actively trying so hard to lose weight. And I just sort of thought I'll go into maintenance mode. And then maybe another five pounds came off. And then the pandemic hit. Uh, mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, okay, let's just sort of not gain weight. And, you know, bide the time. And so now it's been almost a year. And I'm happy to say that I've hardly been able to really exercise a whole lot because the gym's closed. But I haven't gained anything. I mean, I will maybe over the holidays, but then it's right back off. Yeah. Our bodies have that natural fluctuation within a range, I think is important. And I want to point out that that formula that I just shared is not like set in stone. You know, we have different body frames. So someone may find that their body's natural weight is higher than that formula. Some might find it's lower than that formula. I just wanted to throw that out there. So. Of course. Uh, yeah. You well, know that, but. I used to always think that, you know, I would give my excuse that, well, I'm just big boned. And now right. I'm realizing I'm not nearly as big boned as I always made the excuse to be. I'm actually little boned, small boned. So I probably should, you know, that formula is on the probably, yeah, I should probably be on the lower end, but because my wrists, my wrist bones are a little bitty. So, well, yeah. I was a swimmer growing up. So I've got okay. the big shoulders and, and I'm, like I said, I'm 5'10. So, I've always kind of been the the big girl and, you know, often as an adult, at least carried the extra weight as in high school, I was super thin because I could eat whatever I wanted and go to swim practice. And, but you know, it's, that just taught me to 
consume large volumes of food. Right. And so that's that what I like. That trained you to be a volume eater. I think we're meant to mostly be eat like that. I mean, because it, it just feels, well, it just feels so, I mean, we're supposed to feel satisfied and full. We're not supposed to feel unsatisfied. I, I think it's natural, but you're right. You you develop those habits as a swimmer. Swimmers need a lot of fuel, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, so I broke my foot a couple, just a couple years ago on the tennis court. And that was, that was my last time that I gained more weight because I, I think I gained about 15 pounds while my, it was, it was a bad injury. I don't know if you follow football, but it was the same injury that Cam Newton had. Okay. That, I did not follow. Yeah. <laughs> well, it kept, it kept him out of football for quite a while and he ended up having to have surgery and he, he just, he injured his, I broke mine. And it was a, you know, the surgeon told me it would be about a year's recovery and it was a long, I mean, it was about, it was about nine months for me. So I think I, I got a little lucky, but it was, it was a bad break and a long injury and it took a long time to heal. And I couldn't hardly walk for a good period of that time, probably about, I mean, I was non-weight bearing for a while and then in a boot for six more weeks after that. And so I obviously couldn't be exercising, put on the 15 pounds there and I forget how I, we even started with with this story, but that's kind of the last thing that happened to me before I started IF, and it was those pounds that I was trying to get back off. Mm-hmm. That sounds miserable, not to be it, able it to walk around. But you know what? Here's so I always try to find the silver lining of of any situation, and it was miserable, but it taught me it taught me patience because there was so much that I wanted to do that I couldn't do for almost a year. And I think had IF been introduced to me prior to this happening, I'm not sure I would have had the patience to stick with it. You know, I probably would have, I probably would have quit. Yeah. So it was the right, right time for you. You needed to have that happen so that you were receptive. I I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least that's what I'm going with. Well, exactly. You know, like like I've talked about before, you know, being being obese for me, getting up to, you know, 210 pounds on a 5-5 frame, I needed that experience to appreciate what it feels like to be, you know, at, at my my happy goal range that I'm in now. And I don't know that I would appreciate it. Like I I would probably be a lot harder on my body. You know, if I'd ne- if I'd always been exactly where I am right now, I would probably look at the, you know, the imperfect bits and be like, if only I could, you know, lose that little belly roll, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> because I was 210, I'm like grateful for this little belly roll. Yeah. I'm really good at looking for all of the imperfections. <laughs> I am definitely, you know, one of my most harshest critics. But yes, as you said, I'm a little bit more accepting of my body because of what, just because of the experiences that I've been through. And and it makes it easier to accept that, yeah, I mean, I'm at pretty much at my goal weight now. But, you know, of course, I still have a little bit of tummy that I'd like to get rid of, you know, and a little bit of excess thighs. But the thighs, I've actually been pretty happy with the way they've, you know, the way they feel now. Now I can appreciate my body more for, you know, what it does for me, as opposed to always criticizing how it looks. That, yep. Yeah. You know, about the thighs, you know, some people come into the, the Facebook groups and they're like, will intermittent fasting cure my cellulite? <laughs> and I'm like, maybe, but maybe not. It did not yeah. cure mine. You know, no, I, but, I still you know, have I, it too. I go back. That's how my, my mother and I, that's our genetics. You know, I was, 
I had cellulite when I was a teenager. As soon as I hit puberty, bam, there it was. Well, I often wonder, like, if if I had never gained the weight in the first place, you know, if I had just always maintained my ideal weight, would would I have cellulite? I don't know. You probably would because I think that it's just the way that the a woman's body is usually built. And, you know, we look at airbrushed pictures or people who are genetically blessed to not have cellulite. But I think a lot of the pictures are, are airbrushed to the point that that isn't really how even they look. They may be genetically blessed and airbrushed. And so then we're holding ourselves up to those standards and 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 we're always going to fall short because we're not airbrushed. We're standing in real life. <laughs> So that's that's been my my older age. You know, when I was younger, I look back on the times when I was thin and young, I did not wear shorts. Oh, I know, and you probably look back at at it now and think, "Oh my gosh, look how good I looked. Why didn't I wear shorts?" I have a photo of of myself with um Cal, my oldest son, who is He's, I've got to do some math. He's 22. By the time this comes out, he'll be 23. But I'm I'm lying. He's lying on the bed and I'm kind of curled up around and I'm, I'm wearing like gym shorts and you can see my thighs. And they actually looked really smooth. <laughs> the way I'm laying, I'm like, look how beautiful my legs were. At the, I was, you know, 28 or something at the time. And I, of course, wouldn't wear those shorts in public. I'm like, what was wrong with me? I looked fabulous, but Anyway. Yeah, we don't youth is what do they say? Youth is wasted on the young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, when yeah, you know, we've got different skin now in our fifties, you know, it's it's gonna be a little saggier no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even now when I'm looking in the camera and I look at my neck and I think, Oh, gee. But you know, at least I don't have two chins anymore. So Right. Exactly. You know, I've got I see you know, my, my, my face softening. But then I look back at my, my grandma Calhoun. She was my dad's mother and she had the softest face and I'm going to look just like that. I'm going to have her face and it's beautiful. That's great. I, yeah, I love that we can appreciate the beauty of aging. Exactly. Exactly. There will be wrinkles. There will, yeah, <laughs> there will, will be. It's, okay. it's, our, it's part of our story, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And learning to appreciate it. But that that piece has come through intermittent fasting because I don't have to feel like I'm fighting my body anymore. Right. And that's that's just worth everything. I think so too. So tell me what your what your day looks like now as an intermittent faster. Well, so typically it's funny, I've actually been waking up so much easier in the morning. I, I also have low thyroid too, and there have definitely been times I mean, I remember one time I went to the doctor and she says to me, I don't know how you get yourself out of bed in the morning because my thyroid was so low and I think I was anemic at the time too. And I just thought, well, at that point in my life, I, I, my kids had to get up for school and I got up to go play tennis because you know I wanted to do that. So that's what kind of got me up and out of bed. But so typically my mornings, my days would be that I get up and I would go play tennis in the morning and come back and, you know, shower and be up for the day. I would usually, I used to eat always before I left, but now that I'm fasting, I don't. I won't eat now until lunchtime. You know, a lot of times my hungry time of the day is afternoon. And it used to always be that I would snack and snack and snack trying to wait for my husband to come home for dinner. And he often works late. 
And that was, it was hard for me to wait. And so a lot of times by the time he get, he would get home, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't really be hungry anymore because I've been snacking all afternoon. So, you know, now since I've been doing IF, I, I don't do that any, anymore, but my window now I pretty much open around, gosh, anytime between 10 and two, just depending on what I'm doing today and how hungry I am. And sometimes I'll just, usually, usually I have two meals a day and I'll have a lunch and I'll have a dinner, but some days I might just have one, usually a dinner. I think if it were up to just me, if I lived alone, I would probably have a late lunch and just call it a day. But since I like to share a meal with my husband when he's home, I usually try to make my meals a little bit later. You know, my actual eating preference has slowly evolved over time as well. And I don't know, part of it could be the time change, you know, once we we fall back in the fall and the time is different. But I have gotten to the point where I'm opening earlier than I had been and having a very substantial snack that probably, if I was honest with myself, really, I'm eating more at that point. And then I do make dinner every night for my husband and for me, but I'm treating dinner almost as more of the snack. So it's it's like, it, yeah, so I, we still sit down together and I might serve myself, you know, a small amount and then he'll have enough to have, you know, what's left for lunch tomorrow. He'll eat, he's good for eating leftovers. But yeah, that's I've, absolutely kind of what I've been doing as well. And it used to be that I would, you know, if I'm going to make dinner, well, gosh, I'm going to eat it too. But now it's, it's easier for me to just have a smaller amount. And I don't, I, I, I'm not bothered by that. And a lot of it shifted when when I stopped drinking wine every day with dinner, just because, you know, I, I just, I would just end with, if I was drinking wine, I would keep eating and snacking as I finished the wine. And now I just close my window, you know, by usually 6.45, 7 p.m. I'm completely done because that's when we're done with dinner. And then, so my window just naturally has shifted itself to earlier. You know, I'm working from home. The time changed. I'm hungrier earlier. But I think that's a function, like I said, of not eating so late into the evening. Yeah, that's what I would like to do. I I like to have my window closed by 6.30 or 7. Mm -hmm. In the winter, it's easier to do that. In the summer, we tend to eat later because it's light out later, right? especially here in Seattle area. It stays stays light pretty late at night. And, you know, sometimes my husband won't even fire up the grill until eight o'clock. So not, not my ideal time, but, but I make it work because I want to share the meal with him. But it's important. Yeah. And it's a little harder for me sometimes in the morning because I'll start to get hungry around 10, but you know, I know that that would be a little bit too long of a window. So sometimes I'll just sort of make myself wait longer, but it's not nearly as difficult now. I was doing something with a friend yesterday and didn't even think about eating before I left. And by the time I got home, it was quarter to three. And I thought to myself, oh, I'm a little bit hungry. And I looked at the clock and I thought, oh, it's quarter to three. No wonder. And, you know, but it just wasn't a big deal. I wasn't thinking about food the whole time we were gone. And I had a a light lunch and figured, well, I'll just, you know, eat my meal at dinner and that'll be fine. And it'll be a a good fasting day. Right. And you'll just have a, you'll be hungrier because you'll have less then and more later and it all works out. 
That's the beauty of it. You're not rigid with your times. You're not rigid with what's a meal. You know, sometimes people ask that. What's a meal? What's a snack? I'm like, don't don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> people get really hung up on that question. And, you know, I, I, I'm torn about giving the half sarcastic answer, like what difference does it make? It doesn't, yeah. it really doesn't make a difference. What it really does it. It makes a difference what you eat or how the volume of what you eat, the quality of what you eat, that makes a difference, but it doesn't make a difference what you call it. Right. We, we really get hung up on words and rules and, you know, people will ask, am I doing one meal a day? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Does it work for you? One meal a day is not some magical goal everyone should have, you know, like aspire to. Yeah, and I feel you know, like a lot of people do. Right. And they don't and, need and, to. No, they don't need to. And even though I've said I, I eat one meal a day, the only reason I call it that is because of the way, you know, our, our society defines mealtimes. We define three mealtimes, breakfast, lunch, dinner. You know, as and lunch is generally midday. We think of it as noon. So I'm not eating at noon. So I'm not eating lunch. I'm not eating at eight in the morning. So I'm not eating breakfast. I don't eat until what is structured around more of the dinner hour. So I eat one actual meal. I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat lunch. I don't eat dinner. But if I open at two and have a very hearty eating experience, is that lunch? I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know, and I don't care. I don't right. care what you call it. I'm just going to eat it because it sounds like something good to eat that day. And, you know, like I said before, I was so excited that I could eat whatever I wanted. But my eating habits are so much healthier now than they were two years ago. My choices are so much better. The You know, the volume of food I eat is so much better. But I sort of did the fasting in stages. You know, I mastered that clean fast first, which was a pretty easy thing as we, as I said before, but then, you know, even by the time I got to goal, I would hear everybody talk about, you know, your appetite correction. And I kept thinking to myself, I don't, what's wrong with me. I don't, I'm still always hungry and not necessarily during my fast, but you know, once I opened with a meal, I would still just want to eat all of it and everything. And so even though by that time I had already gotten to goal, I had to really work on just eating to satiety and stopping. And so for me, I had to sort of, I started sort of pre-planning what I was going to open my window with. And then I would eat that and make myself wait, you know, before I ate any more. you know, it might be just something small And then I would make myself wait like at least a half an hour to decide, okay, am I really still hungry or am I just used to eating more all, you know, all at once because I just opened my window. So I would make myself wait and half the time I realized I wasn't still really hungry. And so I think that sort of helped me get in touch with that. And then once I sort of mastered that, then I moved on to, well, I think it's time I'm going to try to eliminate more of the processed foods. And I think that actually helps with the satiety signals as well. You know, once that's huge for me. Yeah, 100% huge. I mean, I still struggle with this sometimes because, you know, as I wrote about in Delay Don't Deny, I love Doritos and I don't buy them now. I don't have them. I mean, if, if someone, you know, if my window was open and someone said, have a Dorito, I would. I'm not, you know, like shunning them, but I just don't buy them because I would probably still overeat them. But I just bought these chips. They're these bean tortilla chips. 
the main ingredient is beans and beans work well for my body, but they're still ultra processed. You know, they may be organic and high quality compared to a Dorito, but they're still ultra processed. They're like an ultra processed quote health <laughs> chip. Well, I got those and I overate those chips and I was like, why am I still eating the chips? But you, you just keep eating them. And I'm like, huh, I probably shouldn't have these chips around because even though they're like, you know, organic and healthy. No, they're still ultra processed. And I still don't get the, you've had enough signal when I eat stuff like that. Yeah. I, I think that's that very true. <laughs> yeah. So. Way harder to notice the signal. And I, I think it's kind of because you're, this is just sort of my own theory, but kind of because it doesn't have any nutrients. So your body isn't satisfied because it's not getting what it needs. Well, and it's also, um, it, it's, it, that's part of it. I think these have more, these are high fiber. I mean, they have, you know, more nutrients than like a, you know, a classic Dorito, obviously, but there's also, I just reread, well, I read more of, I had skimmed before the Dorito effect, the book, um, it came out a while ago. It's a really good one and it explains flavor and how flavor food is designed now with the flavor to keep us coming back. Right. So the, and I'm like, well, there, that's what it is. It's this, this flavor that, I mean, even though it's organic and natural and, you know, quote, good for you, it's still got that same flavor stimulation of a Dorito. So I keep going. It, it was fascinating to eat them and realize, why am I still eating these? <laughs> Maybe they should make uh, Dorito flavored Brussels sprouts. <laughs> oh, you would just eat them, eat them, eat them. Yeah. Yep. That's coming back to those. Flavor is is the name of the game. So, you know, like if I'm having, like I like, food should taste good, organic tortilla chips. Have you had those? No. That's the brand. I get them at Costco, but they are just tortilla chips and, and they're whole grain. I could eat a handful of those and be fine, but they don't have the added, you know, right. nacho cheese or whatever. <laughs> Our pantry looks very different from how it used to look. Oh, I bet. And, and it was... Not something that we did because we had to. It was something that we did because we wanted to. But, you know, we have three boys and they're currently 25, 23, 21. You know, we just got through the, the holidays, the Christmas holidays when this is recorded. You know, we just got through the holidays and it, they all came back even, you know, with the pandemic. We didn't do anything. We were inside all the time. So kind of everything was about food. Right. But I'm... What to, oh, so, so today's January 20th. I'm still kind of trying to get back into the empty house mode now that they're gone. You know, we our pantry had so many snacks in it while they were here. But when they're not here, we really have very little snacks and very little in the refrigerator. And we don't feel the need for it. And I don't have to go to the grocery store all the time. And it's really nice. It really is. It keeps it so simplified. Yeah. Does anyone else in your family do any type of intermittent fasting? Yeah, so my husband does now. You know, at first I think he thought it was a little wacky, but he <laughs> he actually jumped on board pretty quickly, I think, which was nice. And he was always really supportive of me, but he jumped on board in his own way pretty quickly. He didn't have much weight to lose, although he was probably at his highest weight or close to but, you know, that's maybe maybe 10 pounds for him up. And so he does it. And now he, it's 
it's much easier because he supports me. He understands why I'm doing it. He doesn't think that it's unhealthy for me anymore. Sometimes, of course, he thinks that what works for him should work for me too. And so well, I, yeah, yeah. I think sometimes he struggles to understand that. But the biggest thing for me with him for the longest time, he just kept telling me I needed to exercise more to lose the weight. Like even once I had started fasting, he kept telling me that. And I had gotten to the point where I was doing so much exercise that I was, I was wrecking my body and I couldn't, you know, even though I am a stay at home mom and now with an empty nester, I can't, my body can't, nor do I want to be at the gym for three, four hours a day. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, I had that same conversation with my husband back in the day about just exercise more when he, you know, we watched, he watched me struggle for all those years and he would say, just just exercise more, work up a sweat. You don't ever work up a sweat. And you were working up a sweat, but I, you know, <laughs> I was on my feet all day as a teacher, but I wasn't working up a sweat. But I, I had to prove to him that I'm like, look, read some of these studies about, you know, exercise and weight loss. And, you know, finally he stopped telling me to do that, but it hurt, you know, for my slim husband who never struggled to say, well, it's just because you don't X, Y, Z. And I'm like, no, that's really not why. Yes. And then my husband sometimes, bless him would also be the food police. And he's getting, I mean, he still, still kind of has it in me, but, or in him, but not so much anymore. He's, he's, he's better about that, but he would definitely, you know, he would see me eating something and he would, he would be nice about it, but still the comment, he would just kind of say, do you, do you really want to have that? And that would make me want to have two. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. I want to have it. Pass another. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just because you made that comment, I'll have a third. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I've been there too. Because yeah, he would he would do that as well. Because just not understanding the struggle, or or really that it's not that simple. Yeah, and you had asked if anyone else in my family fasts. My youngest son so, sort of does. I think he he gets the clean fast thing. He just doesn't necessarily do windows long enough to right. So, you know, he's in college and probably enough said there. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, someday at least when he, you know, gets his priorities and and gets off of the college schedule, at least I feel like he has that tool and he understands, you know, he understands to just have his coffee black and and he does that and he'll get it one of these days. Absolutely. I love that. You know, we've got this tool for our kids if they they should ever need it. You know, I, I my younger son actually kind of does it just because of his schedule. He's also 21. And yeah. <laughs> the sleep sleeping late, he's not in college, though, but he sleeps late and he just doesn't eat early. And so he has his, you know, kind of a window and he drinks his coffee black. But my other son, Cal, that's out in California, he's completely stopped fasting. He was doing it for a while. He Well, he just, you know, he would just wouldn't eat breakfast and then he would go into the office. And I think now with the work from home, you know, now he he has breakfast and snacks. And it was really kind of funny. Cal and Kate were home for Christmas. Well, they came the week before Christmas, but they were eating all the time. And it was like, okay, you're eating again. All right. It was really funny. But they're both slim. They're both young. They're vegetarian. So... (laughs) <laughs> they're they're fine right now, yeah. but if, if you know if they ever start gaining weight, they know what to do. Right, because as long as they're fast adapted, if you know they're probably okay, you know until they're not. But then they know 
then they know how to get it back off, right? Exactly. They've got that tool. They know what to do. And yeah. it's it's available to them once they need it. And my oldest son, I don't think I've mentioned, but he's a type 1 diabetic. So Okay. You did not. Yeah. He doesn't fast. He's been, you know, out of the house since before I started fasting. So he, I mean, he's, he knows that I do it, but he doesn't really know how it's done. We've never, we haven't really talked about it. If he ever wants to know about it, I'm happy to share with him, but I certainly would want him to work with his doctor. Yeah. Cause he's got a whole different set of issues and keeping that blood glucose stable is the most important thing for him. Right. And I think that's part of the reason, you know, when I first read your book, then I immediately read the obesity code and just everything that Dr. Fung talks about in there, you know, with regards to insulin, it made so much sense to me based on what I knew from my son being diabetic because he was diagnosed when he was eight with type one and he's now 25. So everything that I had learned through that, it just made sense. And, and I'm a logical kind of person and I'm not going to do the crazy counting and logging and stuff. And so when I could have something that made sense to me, I could jump in with both feet and do it fully and believe in it. Even when the weight wasn't coming off quick enough for what I wanted, which really in hindsight, it was coming off just fine. But I would just tell myself that, you know, this is working. Just be patient. The NCAA women's basketball had an incredibly successful season. And now your favorite players from the 2023 to 2024 NCAA season will be in the WNBA. To all our veteran fans, welcome back. And to all the new fans joining, welcome to the W. This season, watch as proven legends Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, and Sabrina Ionescu continue their dominance, while rookies Caitlin Clark, Cameron Brink, and Angel Reese prove themselves on a WNBA court. The WNBA is redefining basketball on their own terms this season, keeping the game and players front and center while celebrating the intersection of identities and perspectives that align with fans. Welcome to the W. You're in for some world-class basketball. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, and it, it did. Your weight came off pretty quickly. So it that, did, but it's never as quick as you want it to be. You know, you yeah, always you're like, want it I off made yes. this decision, So I'm ready to be at my goal weight now. Right. <laughs> right. You want it off yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> But I just, you know, like I dropped a lot of weight pretty quickly, you know, which was probably just water weight. And I think what I told myself in my own mind is that I know I'm eating better than I was before. So I've got to be doing something good for my body. And I would tell myself that the scale is just catching up to that water weight. And now it's like real fat. And as long as I'm, you know, not going back up or whatever, I was lucky enough to not gain any weight during my adjustment period. But, you know, even for people that do, don't panic, you know, just keep doing it consistently. Exactly. So you, um, you eat all the foods now, you don't restrict anything. You just, your eating style is omnivore, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't restrict anything. I, what I 
like to say I've always had an iron stomach and so I don't have any problems with dairy or gluten or anything. So I no, I don't restrict anything. I mean, do I eat as much sugar as I used to? No, of course not. But do I still eat sugar? Heck yeah. But way less, way less. That's true for me as well. You know, I ate more sugar until I realized that that was why I had restless legs, which I never connected before intermittent fasting. And then after intermittent fasting, it became so very obvious, you know, and I'm like, oh, I never knew why I had restless legs. And it, oh, it was <laughs> so. That's interesting because I also have had restless legs and come to think of it, I haven't had any issues with it in the past two years. Mine wasn't, it didn't happen that often. For me, it always happened when I was really tired, but in a place where I couldn't fall asleep. So sometimes like in a movie theater or on an airplane. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If I just couldn't fall asleep, but I also couldn't get up and move. So yeah, with my restless legs, I would always just have to, I would get up and like pace the back of the theater. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I can remember that. And this was before intermittent fasting, but when the boys were like middle school, high school, going through um, the band, sitting at a band concert and having such a hard time sitting still in my chair and then realizing Often, we we had been out to eat prior to the band concert, and I would, you know, I didn't drink a lot of Coke around the house, you know, but but I would have a Coke at a restaurant. Like, that was pretty much my thing. If I'm at a restaurant, I can have a Coke because I like a Coke. I don't need more, but at the time, and then, bam, restless legs, and now I'm like, it was probably the Coke every time. If I had just had water, I probably would have been fine. Yeah, that's interesting. I I never made that connection, but very well could be. And like I said, since I've started fasting, I haven't had any issues at all. And it's been a year and a half. So it's a miserable feeling. So, you know, it's worth it to not have, have a lot of sugar. If I have a little bit, then I'm okay. But if I have a lot, nope, forget it. And then I'm like, why, why'd I do it? Yeah. <laughs> it's all high on my vibration plate. And um, that helps with the restless legs. Thank goodness. It works them right out. So still though, it's miserable. So have you had any other like non-scale victories? I know you've talked about your scale victory, getting down to your ideal weight, but what about non-scale victories? Yeah, not so much to be honest. And okay, I'm just telling myself it's because I didn't have too many. <laughs> well, that, that makes sense. This is my Pollyanna part of me, you know, that the, I just don't you know, I haven't had any two significant health injuries, you know, haven't been through cancer or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't have a long list of problems, then you wouldn't have a long list of soft things. <laughs> right. Right. But uh, so for me, my non-scale victories is more in my relationship with food. It's That's just, huge. Yeah. It's a much healthier relationship with food. I'm not nearly as obsessed about it or, you know, I, I'm eating way healthier and it's just easier to eat that way. And I want to eat that way. So it's it's just much more relaxed way of living. And it gives me so much more freedom. That's good. So how do you stay active now in this pandemic time that we're in and not being able to go to the gym? Yeah. Well, Are you able to play tennis? So off and on during the pandemic, you know, they had the first close down. And then over the summer, we started playing outside a little bit, you know, with some friends. And then the gym did open back up to tennis. So we were able to do that. But then it closed again around Thanksgiving. And it just opened like about a week ago again. So after we finish recording this, I'm off for a lesson. 
Awesome. Um, yeah. But so I, I have been playing some. We taped off a pickleball court in our garage over Christmas. I've got to learn that. I have not played, but people are loving it. Yeah. So, you know, it rains here all the time. So we taped it off on the floor of the garage so that we could open the garage doors and have, you know, uh, another couple over and play in the garage. Uh, I've been walking the dog. Uh, you know, we can you can still hike in the rain. It's not right. as nice. It's not as fun. The views aren't as pretty. But you know, we, we can do it. Uh, yeah. That is not a Georgia thing. We would not be hiking in the rain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There's probably someone who would be hiking in the rain in Georgia. Well, you know, here you have to learn to deal with it, right? Yeah. Here you kind of have to, if you want to do exercise in the winter and have to, it, yeah. I, I'm not a treadmill person. I like spin classes at the gym, you know, on the bike, but for me, it's a social thing to do with my friends. So we have a bike here at my house that my husband uses frequently and he'll you know, hook up with the Peloton app and do that. But I just don't have that motivation in me. For me, the gym is a social thing. I get it. Yeah, I'm the same way. When I when I did go to the gym very, very briefly and took some exercise classes, it was because I liked connecting with the people. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it was because you know, I wasn't working out of the home anymore. So I was like, I got to see people. But now I'm just at home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing people. I'm seeing you right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what I tell, you know, that whole year after my foot injury that taught me the patience to get through this pandemic. So and I'm just so proud of myself that I've made it this far and haven't put back all the pounds and, and, and don't even feel close to being at risk of doing that. That's fabulous. And that confidence right there, the confidence in fasting is huge. The knowing that, you know, even if you did relax and regain some pounds, you know what to do about it. Right. But you didn't. Right. And so why not, you know, take this and move forward and become a health coach and help somebody else do it, right? Exactly. I love that. So um, we're almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you started? I think I would tell people to be consistent, but that doesn't mean they have to have the same schedule every day. So be consistent in that you are clean fasting every day, but your schedule doesn't have to be the same. And in, in reality, I think it's actually better if it's not the same every day. So your body doesn't get used to it. It's okay to fast for 16 hours one day and 22 hours the next day. And you can have a 22 hour window or a 22 hour fast followed by an eight hour window and and that's fine because it, you're not going to undo the 22-hour fast. You might if you had a 22-hour window. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so I misunderstood when I first started. And I kind of thought if I had a 24-hour fast that I needed to have an up day. Okay. Right? But so I did. And that's just the way because that's the way that I understood it at the time. But I don't really think it was a problem because you know, my update would still be, I would still do a fast, you know, I would still do, I was trying to set at least an 18, 18 hour fast was kind of my minimum goal when I was trying to lose weight. So I would still fast at least 18 hours, but I would just make sure I had like two meals. But I think that it, naturally my body just did that anyways. If I had a longer fasting day, I would be hungrier the next day. Yeah. Mine naturally has done that, which is why I have a hard time connecting to people who are like, I 
eat, you know, naturally my body only wants a tiny meal every day because that that's just so not my experience. No, not me either. And, and I don't really think that's good for you. So some of the people on the Facebook page that I see, sometimes I wonder, you know, are you eating enough? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the one clue that you may not be is just, you know, if you've plateaued, you know, someone who eats just a little tiny bit every day and day after day after day, Andrew plateaued, that's a sign right there. So then what's your advice to the, to those people? Well, they may have to do an, an up day pattern, you know, eat their, their, their normal meal is technically like a down day. So then the next day they need to have a longer window. I think those people need, you know, two meals. They need to absolutely arrange it so that they're eating twice. And a lot of people are like, well, like I can't be hungry twice. Well, open earlier, you know, yeah. maybe you need a 10 hour window to be hungry twice. But if you're, if you're over restricting for your body over time, you may need to Think about how you can, I mean, you know, some people will use the terminology, you know, should I force feed myself? No, (laughs) don't force feed yourself. That's not what I'm saying. But you may need a longer window so that your body has time to be hungry again. Right. Because our bodies will adapt to low intake that's consistent and over time. Your body's like, oh, this is how much we eat then. This is how much we need. And luckily, I have naturally switched it up. And so my body didn't adapt. But um, that is something to guard for. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really, really important. But and it seems just kind of ironic that, you know, some people that are struggling to lose weight actually need to eat more. Yes. Yeah. And no, I don't want anybody to force feed themselves. That's the exact opposite. But instead, you need to think about how can you naturally be hungry for for more than just, I mean, you know, 700 calories a day, for example, day after day after day after day after day is not going to let your body be comfortable, right. obviously. And so fortunately for me, I can never do that anyway. I just like I too much. Not. But I, I know people do struggle with that. You know, I've seen it so many times that I, I know it's a real thing. You know, just like you and I are volume eaters, there are people who are not. And so they may need to have longer eating windows and definitely not try to eat within, you know, a really short eating window. Well, Beth, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. You too. I've enjoyed it. It's been so much fun and it was such a pleasure to actually kind of meet you in person. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like I've known you for a long time, but yeah, I know, me too. Face to face, but maybe one day we'll meet at Wake Forest. Right. Or on a cruise someday if the pandemic ever ends. <laughs> Actually, this, no, no, he's a year ahead. I keep getting confused. I was going to say we, the homecoming, but no, he's ahead of me. We didn't have our homecoming this year, so we'll have it next year. All right. Well, Beth, I'll talk to you later. Okay. Thank you very much. That was fun. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. 
learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast, American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.